Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Tipsy Ghosts. We're your tipsy hosts, Sarah, Sarah, and Lindsay. Hey, guys. Hello. Hi. My voice kind of went high there. All right. Hey, guys. I know. Sorry. It's me, me, Mozart. Mozart. (laughs) I hate you both. (laughs) I am going to read from our fantastic book, (laughs) The Book of Unusual Knowledge. Ooh, tell me. Spit some facts. These are going to be some unusual facts about the human body. Oh, I love the human body. See if y'all know this. Okay. I probably don't. Don't stick out your tongue if you want to hide your identity. As with fingerprints, everyone has a unique tongue print. Ew. (laughs) Makes sense. But I feel like also your tongue print can, like, evolve. Like, what if you, like, have a swollen... Yes. Yeah. That too. Uh, what? Like you guys both said, like you read each other's minds there and I don't know what happened. The little, the like little. those weird twins that don't say anything. <laughs> like, like when they, yes. But what about, yes. Okay. I'm like, uh-huh. So much context. No, I was thinking, like, whenever you have a swollen little taste bud, you've got, you ever, like, sour candy gives mm-hmm. me swollen taste buds. Mm-hmm. And she was saying, Whenever you send your tongue, it like flattens out for a minute. Like it's oh. not as rough. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> My mind went to, could this be used to help like criminal investigations? That's what I thought of. But how many tongue prints are left at crime scenes? I, I would just thinking like, like a blot, like eh, assault. Not, not like I a don't lick. Know. Okay. I don't know. Okay. Let's see. An adult has fewer bones than a baby. I didn't mm. know that. Yes. When we are born, we start life with 350 bones, but they fuse together and we end up with 206. 206. I knew that. I knew the 206. I didn't know we were born with 350. Because they're all like your head bones are not all fused together. <laughs> fused together. Uh, you get a new stomach lining every three to four days. Oh. oh. If you did not, the acids in your stomach that is used to digest the food would also digest your stomach. Makes sense. Yeah. Okay, I can see that. Just like shed it off and poop it out, I guess. Oh, has anybody ever seen that? Is that what comes out? Is (laughs) stomach lining? I was just thinking that the acid dissolves it and then it just regrows. Oh, okay. (laughs) How many different (laughs) scents? (laughs) (laughs) How many different scents do you think we can pick up? Our noses. Is it a big number? I mean, define big. Four. (laughs) <laughs> it's definitely more than four. Uh, <laughs> Go sit down. <laughs> a hundred and seven. Fifty thousand. Oh, okay. <laughs> I win. Price is right. Really suck at Price is right. <laughs> well, you said define big. Four so. times ten thousand. How fast can uh, the air from your sneeze travel? Ooh, Ooh very fast. Like Wait, that's not an answer. <laughs> that's not an answer. <laughs> it's the truth. Is it in miles per hour? Yes, miles per hour. Sneezes per uh, hour. Ninety. Ooh, I was gonna guess like <laughs> fifty. One hundred. Yes. Oh. Nailed it. I, I sneeze slower. Okay. <laughs> I'm not used to those fast sneezes. She's a granny sneeze. True. <laughs> 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 um. Ready? Studies have shown that our bodies experience diminished capacity when we have been awake for longer than 17 hours, and we behave as if we are legally drunk. Yes. After five consecutive nights with too little of sleep, we actually get intoxicated twice as fast. That is good to know. For, for people who are chronically sleep deprived. <laughs> I go without, I go more than 17 hours without sleep at least once, if not twice a week. <laughs> That is not good for you. That sounds unhealthy. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, so I behave as if I am legally drunk all the time. Apparently. Maybe that's why you're so fun. Oh. <laughs> you need alcohol to be fun. 
No, you just need to be sleep deprived. <laughs> um, the longest recorded period that a person has gone without sleep. I know this one. Do you guys know it? A week. 10 days. 18 days. Oh, God. I am so good. You're, um, just, you're just slightly higher than mine. <laughs> and not still close to the answer, but you would win prizes right. The sneeze was <laughs> closer, very close. Yes. Yeah, I'll give you that. If we're being technical, it was 18 days, 21 hours. So almost 19 days and 40 minutes. And by the end, he had paranoia, hallucinations, blurry vision, slurred words, and he was unable to concentrate on anything. I bet it felt so good. To fall asleep. Um, fun fact. It's not really actually a fun fact. It's a sad fact. Oh, God. Here we go again. <laughs> After this um, experiment, he was, like, forever changed. Like, it altered his brain chemistry. Oh. Like, his personality changed. That's very sad. Isn't that very sad? Mm-hmm. It was an experiment. That Did not go well. probably felt horrible, to be honest with you. Like, I feel sick when I used to work night shift and I'd be up for too long. Mm-hmm. Like, 3 o'clock in the morning, I'd feel, like, physically ill. Yep. That's how I feel if I get up too early yeah. on my days off. In a lifetime, how much does the average person produce in saliva? Uh, why don't you go first? <laughs> We're going to do quarts. So it's measured <laughs> in quarts. In a well, lifetime? Barf. In a lifetime. What does a quart look like? Like, show. I know the measure. Isn't it four quarts equal a gallon? I'm really not good <laughs> at I don't know. That is a good question. Hold on. Let us Google how much is a quart. Yes, four quarts in oh, one gallon. Goodness. Tonight is my night. <laughs> Four quarts in one gallon. Okay. I think it is 287,000 quarts. <laughs> Sarah's face. <laughs> I have no fucking idea how much. Are you going to give me anything or no? I'm going to guess 300,000. Okay. <laughs> You're both way off. It's 25,000. Oh. <laughs> but that is enough to fill two swimming pools. I must produce more saliva. You have like <laughs> 10 swimming pools for <laughs> saliva. Apparently. <laughs> All right. And the last one we're going to do. Every square inch of skin on the human body has about 32 million bacteria on it. But don't worry. Most of them are harmless. Gross. Oh, that was. I thought it was going to be a question. I know. I was no, too. There's I was no waiting, question. Like, uh-huh. Wait, just let me do another question. I was thinking, what's a square inch look like? No, I'm bad at the question. <laughs> um... How many miles of blood vessels are in the human body if you laid it end to end? Okay. Blood vessels, miles. I'll give you a range. Okay. Thank, thank you. you. More than 10,000 miles. <laughs> less than 100,000 miles. Much more than what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> okay. More than the 10 I was thinking. Between 10 to 100,000. <laughs> yes. Um, let's go with 32,000. 32,000 and 50,000? Yes. Oh, I thought you were saying I was right. <laughs> no. Sarah's right. 60,000. Oh, my God. Congratulations. Oh, I'm sorry to burst your bubble. You were lighting up. All right. You were bonus, lighting up the room. Bonus one. Right answer. Oh, a bonus question. How much does your heart pump? How many gallons of blood a day? Ooh. Oh, a day. I was like, we know a minute. a minute. How many? Is okay. So how many a minute? How many liter? How many gallons are in a liter? Or how many liters are in a gallon? <laughs> Two so liters. Close. So it's two liters a, a minute, minute yeah. times a lot of minutes. It's 2,000 gallons of blood a day. Oh, okay. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, we were we were on the path. I'm impressed you guys knew per minute. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, that actually applies to my job somehow. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever we got to fight with people. Yeah. Well, the sleep, the sleep <laughs> one applied to me. I got to pull out sometimes. That's how I knew about the guy staying up forever because we studied it in psych because huh. it altered his brain chemistry. Fascinating. Yeah. He was a very mean and irritable person afterwards. That's like the Russian sleep experiment with mm-hmm. him. Maybe they didn't torture him, though. Okay. So that uh. was my fun 
medical facts. Thank I liked you. It. Who's fun. telling us a story tonight? It's me. Boyd Stan. I would like to tell you a story. True true crime story. Oh. True crime. Thank you. You're welcome. That was beautiful. Thank you. Okay. I've got a soprano and a bass. <laughs> I'm all about that bass. <laughs> no treble. About that bass. <laughs> no treble. Okay. I'm not going to give you a title because okay. it will be irrelevant until I tell you the story. Okay. Late June. 1954. I got chills. <laughs> <laughs> is this Dateline? <laughs> it felt like it for a second. What's that? Is it Keith Morrison? Keith Morrison's voice. Just, I, I will listen to that voice all day. He can read me the dictionary <laughs> and I would be happy. his voice and try to say this story. Uh, he is unmatched. Okay. Well, we're ready. Set the tone. June. Right. Late, June. Late, I already forgot. Late June. Late June. Late 1954. June. Ooh. <laughs> Best friends. <laughs> 16-year-old Pauline Parker uh-huh. and 15-year-old Juliet Holm. Okay, Pauline and Juliet. We're on a walk with Pauline's mother, Honora. Best friend walk. Okay. With mom. Yep. I like it. And there goes my voice. Um, They were <laughs> near <laughs> Back the, to normal. the wooded area of Victoria Park in Christchurch, New Zealand. Ooh, oh. New Zealand. So nice stroll in New Zealand. We haven't been to New Zealand yet. Uh, I went there early okay. on. We've I think been, we've, we've been, been to New Zealand. It's been a while. We're yeah. visiting again. Okay, so they stopped at a kiosk just outside the woods for some lunch, had a nice little picnic, and then they headed along into the woods to continue on their walk. Just like a little trail in there. Okay. Um, but soon enough, the couple running the kiosk, Agnes and Kenneth, in case you're curious. Agnes. Yeah, I was. Uh, they heard screaming, and they saw the girls running, like, sprinting out of the woods. The girls said that Honora had tripped on a plank and had fallen, oh, hitting no. her head several times as she fell. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like, "I, we think she's dead. Several times as she fell? Like, was she falling down? Like, down a path, maybe. Oh, okay. I was like, how many times do you fall? You fall once. Yeah. It's already sounding suspicious. Okay. I'm with you. Good idea. Yeah. Oh, you're sus- you're mm-hmm. suspecting that. Oh yeah. Okay, gotcha. I guess we'll find out. I was thinking a man in the woods. <laughs> That's what I wanted you to think. Yes, I figured it out. <laughs> I think it was Kenneth who I think it was him who left the girls with Agnes while he ventured into the woods to check on the mom. Right, and he found her. Uh, she had major head wounds, uh, neck wounds, face wounds, and some minor injuries to her fingers, consistent. With a head injury. And at the same time, Agnes was having the girls get cleaned up. Because, by the way, they ran out of the woods covered in blood. Uh. Hmm. While while she was calling the police, Agnes, she overheard the girls laughing together as they were washing their faces. Why do you have them clean themselves up? True Crime 101. This is the 50s, Lindsay. Oh, your mom fell? Wash that off. Let's wash off all the blood that got on you. She probably didn't think for a second that they would hurt her mom. Mm Mm-mm. It was pretty early on that things started to not make sense. Good eye. Thank you. Ears. Good ears. She's got an eye for true crime, and it was not to you. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Sarah called it from the beginning. That's what I was going for. (laughs) Thank you. Got it. All right. Very rude to me, but okay. I thought it was a man in the woods. It was pretty early on that things started to not make sense. The police soon came and found the half a brick inside of an old stocking near the body. 
Gosh. Did you dispose of the murder weapon? Uh, very poorly. So this was later confirmed to be the murder weapon. Strong work. Yes. <laughs> Do I get to be back in the game? Yeah, you're back. Okay. You've got a great eye <laughs> for murder. You've got the ears and I've got the eyes. For solving murder. Don't say I have a oh, great yeah. eye for murder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, let me clarify. Okay, thank you. <laughs> During her first interrogation, Pauline admitted to everything. She said that she and Juliet had planned to bludgeon her mom while out on their walk. Juliet was to drop a pink stone, and when Honora bent to pick it up, Pauline hit her with the brick stocking. The intent was to kill her with one blow, but Juliet had to hold her down while Pauline hit her face head and neck 45 times as her mother cried and pled for her life. I don't like it. Yeah. Further supporting this were a couple of entries from Pauline's diary, which suggests that they had planned to kill her as early as February 1954, so February of the same year, Mm -hmm. months before they murdered her mom. Pauline wrote, why could mother not die? Dozens of people are dying. Thousands are dying every day. So why not mother and father too? Oh, gosh. Dad, Dad got roped in. Doesn't seem very healthy. By April... Pauline admitted, quote, I am trying to think up some way. I don't want to go to too much trouble, but I want it to appear either a natural or an accidental death. <laughs> the brick made it look real accidental. Oh, my goodness. So in late April, she wrote, the rage against my mother boils inside me. She is the biggest obstacle in my path, showing that she thought that by killing her mother, she would have freedom. So she also says, Quote, we have studied it carefully. We tremble at the idea. Naturally, we feel a little nervous, but the pleasure of the preparations is very great. So she's getting excited about this murder plan. Hate it. So the night before they killed her mom, she wrote, I am writing a little of this before the death. I felt very excited. And it's kind of like the night before Christmas last night. Oh, Oh my gosh. Hours before killing her mom. Pauline vented in her diary. She said, quote, I feel as excited as when you prepare for a surprise party. My mother has destroyed all beauty and the happy event will take place soon. The next time I write in the diary, mother will be dead. What a strange feeling of pleasure. Yikes. Like, did they have a bad relationship? I'm just confused where all this hatred comes from. Thank you for asking. Let's take a step back on how <laughs> awful this is. How did we is. get here? To a plus for Lindsay. <laughs> we need to talk about Juliet and Pauline. Yes, I need to know more about their relationship. Well, I would love to tell you. Pauline Parker was born in May of 1938. She came from a working class background as her parents were part-time house staff and gardeners working for the local university. She lived with her parents, Herbert and Honora. And it later came out that they were not actually married, which in the 50s might have raised a few eyebrows. It was a big deal at the trial. Living in sin. Juliet was born in London, but moved to New Zealand and met Pauline in their early teenage years. Her father, Henry, was a physicist at the local university where Pauline's parents worked. The girls went to school together, but ultimately bonded over their illnesses. They both had debilitating illnesses as children. Pauline had osteomyelitis, which is an infection in the bone, and uh, she had pain from then on in her legs. And then Juliet Juliet had tuberculosis. Mm. Pauline later stated that they both romanticized the idea of being sick. 
I can only imagine why. I don't know. Like maybe like, attention? Like they themselves? were doted on, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So as their friendship developed, they formed an elaborate fantasy life together, writing plays and books centered in their own world. They invented their own religion with their own ideas on morality while rejecting their parents' views on Christianity. They worshipped their own saints and envisioned a parallel dimension they called the fourth world, which was essentially their version of heaven. Mm. They reported that they were able to enter the fourth world occasionally during moments of spiritual enlightenment, and that's in quotes, driven by their bond and friendship. So... Their bond made them spiritually enlightened, and they were able to enter the fourth world. Also, they had alternate names. What are their alternate names? Uh, this is too broad of a question. Um, what were those weird cult names? Sunshine the- and Happiness. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think of the alien names that the cult where they, they came down, they were taken away by aliens in, in a spaceship, or they were supposed to be, but they never were, so they killed themselves. Is that not Heaven's Gate? Yeah, it is Heaven's Gate. Whatever his nickname was. I don't remember <laughs> it, though. I don't remember the names. And that's weird. okay. What are their names? They're not going to be right. You're going to be disappointed. They're, it's Gina and Deborah. No, nope, that's very disappointing. <laughs> Come up with better names, people. Pauline and Juliet. Are you could pick anything. Gina and Deborah. No. What would you pick for your, for your alternate name? Uh, well, I feel like I would pick a normal name. Sarah's not a normal name. <laughs> it got to be Susan. Juliet and Pauline's obsession with each other got to the point that both sets of parents became concerned that the girls were engaging in a sexual relationship. So keep the time period in mind. 50s. 50s. Homosexuality is considered a serious mental illness at the time. They were still allowed to see each other often, though, but it had escalated as far as Juliet becoming very withdrawn and even sick when Pauline would leave without her. So, like, whenever they're apart, Juliet's sick, physically sick. Yeah. So it's not going great, but things sort of take a turn in the summer of 1953 when Pauline was no longer allowed to stay with Juliet. In 1954, Juliet's parents separated. This was also messy. Her mom had an affair. Her dad lost his job at the university. Mm -hmm. It was kind of rough. It was a rough time for her. Yeah. Both of Juliet's parents were planning to return to England, but the plan was to send Juliet to live with family in South Africa, which sounds kind of cruel, but they thought that keeping her in warm climates would help her tuberculosis because at the time, that is part of the treatment for TB. Okay. And that's also why they went to New Zealand in the first place. Nice tropical climate. Okay. So this revelation left both Juliet and Pauline heartbroken, and they decided that they should go live in South Africa together. And after a period of time, they could move to Hollywood or New York City, where they thought that someone would be more than happy to publish their books or let them work in the film industry. They got some high dreams. They do. But Pauline was pretty sure that her mother, Honora, would never agree to that. And this is when they came up with their plan to murder her. So now that we kind of know the backstory, we can circle back to the murder. So the girls have been caught, and it's time for the trial. And this was another trial of the century for you guys. I love trials of the century. (laughs) Lots of coverage, lots of speculation about the girls' homosexual relationship and their perceived insanity. A female officer who escorted the girls to court even overheard Juliet say, quote, the old girl took a bit more killing than we thought. Oh, my gosh. Oh, God. 
They were convicted in late August, so only two months after the murder, um, but too young to face the death penalty, which in New Zealand at the time would have been death by hanging. They mm. instead were sentenced to five years in separate prisons. Only five years. Yeah. They're huh. minors. I don't know. Did okay. they? I know you said insanity earlier. Did they try to plea insanity? I don't know if they tried to do anything. I do know that they were seen by... Like probably evaluated yes. yeah, by a psychiatrist. Yes, they were. I don't know what the findings were. A lot of this curious. didn't come out until much later. So they haven't spoken since. Some sources say that one condition of their sen- sentencing was that upon release, they could never contact each other again. But later, the Secretary for Justice told reporters that that condition wasn't actually a thing. The only condition was for Pauline... And that was that after her five years were up, she would be on parole for six months. Mm. (laughs) Only six months. I mean, five years for killing someone and six months parole. Six months parole and then you're good. Got it. After she was released from parole, her name was changed to Hillary Nathan. Okay. One Tree Hill, I see you. (laughs) Pre. Pre One Tree Hill. I know it's pre One Tree Hill. (laughs) (laughs) One of the actresses' name is Hillary Burton, and one of the characters' name is Nathan Scott. Oh, Hillary thank you. Nathan. Appreciate it. That's where my brain went. Never seen it. Ryan loves that show. I was obsessed in college. Pauline, now Hillary, left New Zealand and moved to England, living in a small village in Kent. She's a retired principal of a special needs school and was a writing instructor. What? Wait, she works with children? Special <laughs> needs children. Oh, okay. She's also, she became a devout Roman Catholic. Is it like their records, is it like how it is in the U.S. where their records are sealed because they're adolescents? Is there not a background check there? Come on, people. It's looking like no. Mm. Or that maybe they find them rehabilitated like in Canada. But in Canada, on that story, he was found guilty by reason of insanity. And also rehabilitated. Doesn't sound like there was an insanity plea here. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Okay, go on. So she never spoke to the press, ever. Her sister released a statement in 1996 saying that Hillary was very remorseful. She had spent over 40 years repaying it by keeping away from people. And the most interesting part of her statement was when she said it took Pauline slash Hillary five years to even realize what she had done. Like... Maybe she had that. Like, she was just living in this delusion, like, she yes, I killed completely. my mom. And yeah. then five years later, she's like, oh, shit, I killed my mom. Mm-hmm. Huh. I mean, I'm glad that she's remorseful. But yeah. she got off easy. They both did. They both did, yes. So Juliet had no other conditions. So at the end of her five years, she immediately joined her father, who then lived in Italy. One hint at why Juliet participated was given in a later interview, and she said that doctors had tested experimental drugs on her that are known to be mood-altering. So at that time, there was a new medication initially thought to be a treatment for tuberculosis called Ipronazid. It commonly caused patients to become animated and happy and start dancing around. So just euphoria. Like manic is what I thought of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And fun fact, I pranazid turned out to be not treatment for tb but it was the very first antidepressant i've never heard of it i had you're looking at the wrong person it's never a, heard of it it's a maoi yeah those M-A-O-I. are the oldies those are the oldie class the very first she's the first you one. don't use them a lot anymore because they're bad for your heart 
She went on to be a flight attendant, and she spent some time in England, uh, a brief moment in the United States, but ultimately ended up settling in a Scottish village with her mother. Mm. Oh. She yeah. was introduced to Mormonism while working as a nanny in California, and she said it was appealing because, quote, it offered forgiveness for her past sins. Okay. So she became a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints around 1968. Okay. What I find most interesting is that she changed her name to Anne Perry, and she went on to become a very successful novelist focusing on historical murder mysteries and detective fiction. Huh. So, so true crime. Yeah. She committed a crime, and then now all she writes about is true crime. Well, she's got some firsthand experience. She does. People generally only know her as Anne Perry, so her past didn't really come to the forefront until 1994. By 2003, she had published 47 novels and several collections of short stories. In 2006, Juliet slash Anne stated that while her relationship with Pauline was obsessive, they were not lesbians. So putting that speculation to rest. Sure. She also said that she helped with the murder because she was afraid Pauline would have killed herself if they couldn't go through with it. She said Pauline was the only one who wrote to her while she was hospitalized and in turn felt a sense of obligation. In 2017, she moved to Hollywood. So that was their original dream. And slash Juliet lived it out. She moved to Hollywood in order to more effectively promote her films based on her novels. She now has over 20 million books in print all over the world. Wow. She is often on the New York Times bestseller list. She is on bestseller lists in Canada, France, Germany. And she was selected as one of the Times 100 Masters of Crime, which was honored at a literary <laughs> festival in Spain. What an interesting it's title for her. <laughs> quite a quite an award yeah. she was given. I was pulling her up on Goodreads. <laughs> I looked. You don't have any Anne Perry books that you've read. I have not read any books by her, no. <laughs> Maybe you should. She's on your list now. Maybe I should. I uh, I know, right? I feel icky about giving yes. money to yeah. someone who killed someone and got off relatively easily. I am glad that they both have not killed again, and it seems like this was a one-off thing. And they were teenagers, and I get teenagers do stupid stuff. It does seem like Pauline was maybe the ringleader here. Sure. Of course. Of course. But five years for killing someone. Oh, no. I agree. That's Yeah. And their nothing. own mother. That's horrifying. That's nothing. All I can think about is I have a teenage daughter. I'm like, are they going to murder me if we go out on a walk? Don't go on a walk with her. If they drop friend. a pebble that I looks pretty, don't bend over to pick it up. <sighs> okay. Does she have a relationship with her father still? That I would, feel like he's probably dead now. Well, yes, but like <laughs> after that, like yep. how do you, how do you know. have a relationship with your daughter when she killed? Well, her she doesn't have a relationship with her mom, but um, her dad, I'm not sure. <laughs> Obviously, have you, know, you ever watched like true crime shows where one of the family members murders another one, and the rest of the family still supporting them? Yes, in jail, I, and like go visit them and stuff like that. It's like Dahmer and his dad. It's it's tough man but like Dahmer and his dad like Dahmer didn't kill anyone in the family like it'd be different if i don't know you know what i'm saying like if you kill someone in the family i do but i still killed lots of people well yes he did it's hard when it's your own family yes like yes that's what i'm saying yeah man 
So their story became a movie adaptation in 1971 in a French film called Don't Deliver Us From Evil. Oh, come on. Say it in French. Okay. The title is in (laughs) French. Commit to it. And I'm sure it sounds beautiful when they say it. It's going to sound just as beautiful from you. (laughs) I contemplated saying it, but I couldn't physically string the words together with my mouth. I will play it for you. Mais ne nous délivre pas du mal. I tried so many times. It just sounds like a jumble of <laughs> syllables in my mouth. What do you well, think even I the just way said? she said it kind of sounded like it was like just slurred together. Yeah, I'm sure it sounds beautiful yeah. when when the French say it. I just do not have that physical capability. It was incoherent. Um, Thanks for trying. Thank you. Anyway, another film was based on the events in 1994. In a movie called Heavenly Creatures, and that is English. Um, in 1994, when that movie came out, is when people started to figure out this novelist, Anne Perry, was actually Juliet. Mm. So their story has been turned into several screenplays, documentaries. It's been inspiration for novels. Even as recently as 2021, there have been novels loosely or closely based to it. And that is their story. I would like to thank my cousin-in-law, Cheyenne. Sounds weird to say cousin-in-law. We'll just say cousin. My cousin-ish Cheyenne for (laughs) recommending. She's like, you guys haven't done this one. And it sounds like a really good topic. You should do it. Yeah. And I've had this in my my topics for, I don't know, a few months. And finally, I just looked it up and I was like, that is a good story. It's sad, but all true crime is sad when we go through it. Yes. And then also hi to her friend Katie, who came up to me in Columbia and said that she loves our podcast. Oh, hi, Katie. Hello. Hello. Hi, Cheyenne. Thank, Thank you. you both. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thanks. Okay. I'll stop. And you're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Please stop. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Listen, you have an eye for murder, and I do not. No, you do. You, you, you redeemed it. Murder. Oh, I redeemed myself. Yeah. If anybody does, it's one of you guys, not me. <laughs> I just happened to catch that one clue. <laughs> that is wild, and it's very sad that... Like, that's yeah. terrifying that you can just kill someone for literally no reason. The delusion in their mind. Yes. Yeah, they created their own little cult. They created their own heaven. Uh-huh. Mm. Okay. Well, thanks for bringing us down. That was great. What is your, if you had, without meeting them, what is your diagnosis? What do you think oh, their real issues were? Why does she do this to me every single time? You're the psych person. <laughs> and we have to ask. You're our resident expert in all things brain issues. <laughs> it almost sounds like a shared delusional disorder. Sounds like it makes sense. Or maybe they just had this. It doesn't even have to be a psych. Maybe they just were sick their whole lives, and so they bonded through that, but they also wanted to create their own utopia as an escape from being sick and from the realities of that, and it got twisted. Oh, oh my goodness. That was beautiful. Thank you. It got twisted. It got twisted. Yeah. That was my clinical impression. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. All right, guys, thanks so much for tuning in this week to our true crime episode by Boydston. You can always find us at thetipsyghost.com with our socials linked from there or send us an email at thetipsyghost at gmail.com. Please give us a five-star rating and a great review anywhere you listen to podcasts. We really appreciate it, and it really does help. All right, guys, thanks so much. We will catch you next week. Okay, bye. Bye. Bye.